Welcome to Slants and Rants, the home of hot takes, arguments, and the right opinion about your favorite team. Now, here are your hosts, CTD and Vega. Slants and Rants, episode 11. We are back, CTD and Vega. Bit of a slow news week. Julian Edelman retiring. We have the return of the Listener Lounge and slowly approaching is the NFL Draft. So next week, make sure you tune in for the first ever Slants and Rants podcast mock draft. It's going to be a fun one. We got great stuff coming up this week. We have to dive back into the Listener Lounge. But as always, Patrick Vega, how you doing today? What's up, buddy? Um... Doing good. WrestleMania passed this weekend, which was great. WrestleMania was great. The Mets are actually playing baseball, which is very surprising because every goddamn day is either canceled or delayed. Um, other than that, doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm all right, a little on the tired side, but the draft is coming, dude. I love the NFL draft. It's the best draft in sports. Yeah, it's, it's not even close either. The NFL draft is... Easy, the best draft drafting sports. Um, I'm, I'm just tired of all these mock drafts already, man. I'm over them already. Like every, every I've seen about like I go through Twitter, I see about ten different mock drafts. Like PFF has put out probably about thirty different mock drafts. I see a different. I see the Broncos getting a different quarterback every day, and, or a, a, a different defensive player every day. It's unbelievable. I think I'm at the point now where these guys just put out like. 15 mock drafts so for when one guy gets drafted to a certain team they're like oh yeah i had that mocked in my my seventh mock draft it's like well yeah when you mock a team to get like nine different players and they only have like three needs of course you're gonna get it right at some point no a thousand percent when you mock uh, when you do 25 mocks in a two-month span listen you're bound to hit on something guy and if you did it that's that's pathetic you're bound to hit on something like I'm, I'm over the mock drafts. Like Mel Kiper dropped his yesterday, a new one. I think the Bronco had the Broncos taking uh, Sertan, um, Giants Jalen Waddle. Forgot who we had the Eagles taken. Who the hell did he have the Eagles taken? Did you see it? No, I didn't. Was it uh? uh was it Smith or maybe Horn? Oh no, it might have been J.C. Horn. Guess what? Now I need to find it in check because I'm not going to look like an idiot right now. So he had the Philadelphia Eagles taking. Oh, actually, hold on. I was wrong. He had the Broncos taking Michael Parsons. I'm sorry, which I would love. He had the Eagles taking Patrick Chatan. Okay. Which I would love. Yes. That'd be a two happy draft reaction video. So hopefully that comes true. We will be doing our mock draft next week, probably only the first 12 picks because a 32-pick mock draft will take 19 years to record, and ain't nobody going to listen to all that. And, and ladies and gentlemen, let's be honest. <clears throat> We're doing these mocks. Listen, a 32-team mock, a 32 uh, mock, we ain't watch all these players. No way. Yeah. We ain't no scouts. That's the big thing. We all have to stop acting like we're scouts out here. So, oh, I know this guy's going to be a damn stud. Meanwhile, he's probably going to be a bust and probably ain't going to be good. You know, I every every year there's always, I'm like, oh, that guy's going to be a stud. Turns out he sucks. And then I look like an idiot. But 
yeah, we have to stop acting like we know who these players are and stop pushing that we're the next uh, – we could be a GM. That's what we say here. We're, we're fans at the end of the day. We're not experts. We're fans. The last few weeks when we've talked about which quarterback is going to be the best out of Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Trey Lance, look, I can't sit here and say I, – I don't know if I've seen more than five snaps of Trey Lance. I can't sit here and say how good of a quarterback he's going to be in the NFL. I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan. I just, a lot of times watch more than some average fans. So I have more of a stronger opinion, but I'm not an expert. I would love to be an expert one day, but I don't have the time to be an expert. So it's a fan opinion. Don't hate. It's great. <laughs> I'm too lazy to hit, hit a drop right now. My, 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 my hands are too far from the, from the, from the computer, so you know I gotta hit one cheesy line an episode. You'll, you'll slide on this one. You'll slide on this one. I appreciate that. Quick news and notes before we get into the return of the listener lounge. Couple things: Jadeveon Clowney rumored to possibly be going to the Browns, not official, so can't really spend too much time on it because with Clowney, we've seen him float around with a few teams, and it seems like he's going one place and he ends up somewhere else. We had James Conner signing with the Cardinals, which really isn't much to call home about, but kind of makes sense for both teams if uh, he can stay, if James Conner can stay healthy. But the big news of the week, we saw the Patriots announce that they were releasing Julian Edelman. Some people thought, oh, where, where will he go? But very quickly after a video was released, Julian Edelman officially retires from the NFL three-time Super Bowl champion, one-time Super Bowl MVP, one of the greatest Super Bowl catches in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. But the real topic of conversation here is, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? And Pat, I know we're both, we both have a strong opinion on if Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. So I'll let you go first, and then I'll add on to your opinion. Because I feel like I know your answer. Uh, the answer is no, absolutely not. I, I I don't see how Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, people. <clears throat> Granted, do I think playoff numbers should matter? Absolutely. He, he's had an unbelievable playoff run. His playoff numbers are fantastic. He's number two in most catches playoff history, just behind Jerry Rice. Number two in receiving yards behind Jerry Rice. Number two in 100-yard receiving games behind Jerry Rice. And Jerry Rice has eight. Julian Edelman has six and ten less games. Um, top five in most catch in Super Bowl history. Top four in receiving yards. Like, he produced in the playoffs. Granted, the Patriots are always – we're always in the AFC Championship game, so he's getting at least two games two games a year in the playoffs. And then not counting how many times they went to the Super Bowl, win or lose. But once you take all those playoff numbers and – Combine it with the regular his regular season numbers. That's not Hall of Fame level to me. That's not Hall of Fame level to me. If you want to look at most receiving yards in Patriots history, he's fourth. He's still behind Wes Walker, who I think Wes Walker might have been, but Wes Walker was a better receiver. Sure, Julian might have been a better overall player for the way he blocked and could put him on special teams to go out there and make a tackle. Like that was Colin Coward's thing yesterday. It's like, hey, he's a blue collar guy. He can do whatever he wants. He can, uh, he can tackle. He can run. He can block. It's like, yeah, great. But is that what makes? Yo, you're a good, you're a good football player. 
you're a good football player. Has anyone ever sat there and like, Julian Edmond is great? When has there been a time Julian Edmond's ever been a top 10 receiver? Maybe like once after a great fantasy year, people were, were on his high. When has Julian ever been a great receiver? He's a good football player. Damn good football player. He's a great route runner. He'll block, he'll tackle, great hands. But when has Julian Edmond ever been a great receiver? He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not. This, I saw a tweet. It said, like, he's going into the Hall of Very Good, which is hilarious. But I, I'm not for, like, small hall, like how baseball is. But there is a fine line between being a very good football player and being a Hall of Famer. Not every very good football player becomes a Hall of Famer. That's not how this works. I just decided, I'm like, in my head, while you're while you're talking, I'm like, who's a random wide receiver to compare him to? Obviously, I'm an Eagle fan. So the first Eagle wide receiver that that came to mind from this past year was Alshon Jeffrey. I'm like, what are their regular season numbers to compare? So Julian Edelman had 6,800 yards and 36 touchdowns in 137 games. Alshon Jeffrey in 109 games, has 6,786. So he's for sure going to pass Edelman in yards. And he has 46 touchdowns, which is 10 more than Edelman's. And that's all in almost 30 less games. So he's going to pass him in those numbers. And those are the most important numbers when it comes to regular season. Alshon Jeffrey isn't sniffing Canton, Ohio. So no. I, get, I get Edelman's got historic playoff numbers, but you don't get in on just playoffs alone. And then I do have to take into account best, ab- best abilities, availability, only three, three times in his career, he played 16 games. Only three times in his career, those three times he played 16 games, he had over a thousand yard seasons. Two of them were 1100 yard seasons. I need more than that. OBJ can do that in his sleep. He just isn't in the playoffs. Like it, that's not, I've never watched Julian Edelman and be, and been like, wow, this is a hall of famer in front of our eyes. I've been like, this, is a, this is a really good football player. This is on a very good team on a, on one of, if not the greatest dynasty, the sports ever seen, but I've never watched Julian Edelman take over a game and been like, man, that guy's going to be in Canton someday. Like that's just never happened. No, absolutely not. Uh, granted, he is a slot receiver, so like, sure, a number one's gonna have better numbers, but the, you're you're still not like the greatest slot receiver ever is probably like Wes Welker or someone in that like range. You know what I mean? Is Wes Welker Hall of Famer? No, but he's a slot receiver on the Patriots, where they never run with true number one wide receivers. That, and that that's a fair point. He's been the number one wide receiver. That's a great point. Um, he, he's their number one guy. So that's why, like, when I compare him to an Alshon, like, I get Edelman plays in the slot, plays a completely different position, and it is a little bit unfair to compare the two. And they're two completely different football players. I mean, Alshon's like double his size. But Edelman was the number one guy in New England for multiple years, besides Gronk, who plays tight end. I, I think the great comparison is him and Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward can't even get onto the final list. And Hans Ward's numbers are better. Um, his playoff numbers aren't as great as Edelman's, but they're 
fairly like in the range. Like, let me see. I got it right here. Uh, Heinz Ward. Where are you, Mister Ward? I'm literally just staring at you. I, I literally just had it in my face. Now I can't find it. Oh, here yeah, we well, go. Mo- 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 most receptions and in playoff history, like Heinz Ward is fifth. Edelman's two. Granted, Edelman has one eighteen. Heinz Ward is eighty eight. But I'm sure Edelman's played in a lot more games than Heinz Ward. You know what I mean? Heinz Ward regular season numbers are better than June Edelman, and Heinz Ward can't even get on Hall of Fame finalists. So you need to stop. Like Colin Cowper saying that, yeah, Cal- like Calvin Johnson is a Hall of Famer, but like Calvin Johnson would give up the career to have June Edelman's career. All right, yeah, because he won so much. He won. He doesn't want his stats. And you put Calvin Johnson on the Patriots, Calvin Johnson is honestly probably coming close to Jerry Rice's numbers if you put him on the Patriots. Like, like you can't make that comparison and say, well, he'd, rather, he'd definitely rather be on the uh, the Patriots because, you know, uh, he'd rather have Jordan Edmonds' career. Yeah, because of the winning. Sure, of course. Anyone's going to want to win. The guy played for the fucking Lions. Yeah, like, he literally retired because he played for the Lions and they made the playoffs thing once in his career. Like, so of course he's gonna want to get he'll give up his career to go be take Julian Edelman's career because he's Julian Edelman wins like the Patriots win like Chris said they're one they're arguably the greatest dynasty in football history they are the greatest dynasty in football history and no one comes close like so Julian Edelman into the Hall of Fame absolutely not man I'm sorry he is not a Hall of Famer nowhere near it he's he ranked 75th in most receptions 156 in most receiving yards. 254 and receiving touchdowns, like, I'm sorry. You're not a Hall of Famer. Like, he's tied with Brandon Lloyd for most receiving touchdowns in NFL history. That's just. That, 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 listen, Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas, who obviously I am a fan of because he was a Bronco. He is tied with Julius Thomas. I'll give you some names here. He's tied with Owen Daniels, Anthony Fasano. Brandon Lloyd and Julius Thomas with 36 receiving touchdowns in NFL history. These are regular season numbers, obviously. So you take his playoff numbers and throw it in there. He's about at almost 60, 50, about 55, I think. So it, you need to have a healthy balance of both. Playoff numbers through the roof. Fantastic playoff guy. You, you can always count on Julian Edelman to be there. Even regular, you can always count for him to be there. But never once did you ever sit and watch a Patriot game and be like, man, Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. And this all – Happened what thing was what the fat was the Rams Super Bowl when he won Super Bowl MVP. This Hall of Fame talk started happening, yeah, because he won Super Bowl MVP. It's like, guys, slow the roll. No, this ain't the WWE Hall of Fame where everyone gets in, <laughs> or the NBA, the NBA Basketball Hall of Fame, the, not even the NBA, the Basketball Hall of Fame where everyone gets in. No, stop it. He's not, he's not. I completely agree, completely agree. It's the Hall of Very Good is where Julian Edelman ends up. This isn't this isn't a knock on the guy's accomplishments. This isn't to say he wasn't a very good football player because he was. And he was the number one target on one of the greatest, if not one of the greatest dynasties in sports and the best dynasty in football. But that doesn't make him a Hall of Fame in a team sport. Should his number be re- not retired, but should he be in like the ring of honor for the Patriots? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. He's a great, he's a ring of honor player, which is a great, which is a damn good player. That's usually what that is. If, if you missed the hall, but you're, you're in there, you're on the ring of honor. Congratulations. There's so many other better players that aren't in the hall of fame yet. And you're telling me Julian Edelman should 
Like, get out of here with that. Miss me with that bullshit, man. <laughs> Damn it. Now that we finished ragging on Julian Edelman truthers and his, they're like, they're, they're crazy about it too. They're like, it's, I mean, it's mainly Patriot fans, but God, it's, you think you're like shunning their family when you say the guy is in the hall of fame, but like relax, let's, let's get into, into the fun stuff. We had some, some great fun last week with the listener lounge. So we have a few more audio clips. So we're going to head back to the listener lounge and hear what you, the listeners, have to say. So we'll start it off with clip number one. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the Giants. Uh, obviously made some big offseason acquisitions uh, this year, getting Kenny Galladay, bringing in Kyle Rudolph, uh, and obviously you get Saquon back is uh, healthy. Uh, but my concern is we let Zeitler walk, didn't really address the offensive line at all. Uh, and as much as I want to have faith in uh, Daniel Jones, it's hard to do that uh, because he just turns the ball over too much. So my question to you is, where do you see the Giants this season uh, in terms of competing for the NFC East? Are they a playoff contender? Uh, and ultimately, will this be the year that we finally start to see uh, this Giants offense explode? There's a lot I want to get into from that audio clip because there's – there's a couple questions in there, but there's multiple talking points in there. So we'll start with the original question that was, do you see them as a playoff contender and a, a true potential favorite even in the NFC East? Uh, shout out to my cousin, Nick. Thank you for your, your audio clip, my friend. Thank you to all the audio clips that people send in. Your brother, your friends, my cousins, everyone. Thank you, guys. But to get into that, um, it, this is a make or break year for Daniel Jones. I know we're talking Giants playoffs, but the only way they're going to get to the playoffs and have a shot at wins division is if Daniel Jones stops turning the ball over. And with now Kenny Galladay and possibly another receiver in this draft can take the next step to the next level. We said it before. Do we think the Giants have a shot at the division? A thousand percent. This division is wide open. We still think the Cowboys, because they have the best quarterback, are the favorites. But that giant defense has showed up big time last year. You brought in a Dory Jackson. Um, so that secondary is better. And the defense, if the defense could play the way they did last year, and you get a step above, at least a step or two above what the offense gave you, you're going to have a great shot to make that wild card or win that division. They've improved. I'm not going to sit here and act like the Giants haven't brought in great pieces and have a very good draft pick, which will help them improve even more. They, You could make an argument that they're the favorite in the NFC East. I personally wouldn't say so, but even if you were to say it, it's not by much because Washington isn't very far behind. I know I don't, I don't love Ryan Fitzpatrick being the starting quarterback, but the entire team around in Washington is very solid. And Ron Rivera is a great head coach. The Cowboys, not crazy about Mike McCarthy, not crazy about their defense, but that offense is one of the most explosive offenses in the league for when they're all healthy and together. So I understand people saying the Giants are the favorite, but I don't know if I can give them that that title. I don't know if I can hand them the keys, but it's the NFC East. Literally anything can happen. 
and no one would be surprised anymore. But the I think the juiciest part of that audio clip is is the Daniel Jones talk and the offensive line talk. And I mentioned this to you, Pat, just yesterday. If you take a trip down memory lane, 2017, I vividly remember it was either ESPN or SportsCenter's Facebook page posted the Giants had just signed Brandon Marshall and their new big three at wide receiver was Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard. And there was all the memes like, how are you going to stop this offense? How are you going to stop all three of these guys? You know, these are potentially three number one wide receivers all on the same team. They were milking it. They were loving it. Pat, do you know how many games the Giants won that year? Wasn't it like, wasn't it like three or four? The Giants won three games that season because they had brutal offensive line play. And Eli wasn't great because of the offensive line. They won three games that season. Didn't Brandon Marshall get hurt too? Brandon Marshall did get hurt, which obviously is a is a factor to it. But well, we can't sit here and act like we can't ball. act like Kenny Galladay isn't the the healthiest man walking planet Earth. The Giants' offensive line and Daniel Jones. There's the Giants' team success. That's where it comes. They have the weapons at wide receiver, and they might even be adding another. Their defense was very good last year, and they added a few pieces to it. The wide receiving corps already, even if they don't add another receiver, is good with Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. Their success lives and dies by Daniel Jones and the offensive line. And Daniel Jones's success lives and dies by the offensive line. So if their offensive line is not good, this team's not winning anything. I, I 100% agree. You, you lose Zeitler, who was your best offensive lineman. Um, they, they drafted Andrew Thomas last year, who was pretty shaky. They drafted a kid from Connecticut. I think Pert, his name was. Um, we'll see if he, gets a little, if he gets some shine this year. But you have Nate Solder coming back, who maybe he needed the year off to find himself and find his Patriot ways and play good again. Um, you have Nick Gate at center who who wasn't bad, and then you have the two guard spots where Shane Lemieux from Oregon and Willie Hernandez look like they're going to be the two that are going to be the starters right now on the depth. As if you look on it on paper, um, I would love for the Giants. I know. Listen, I love Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle might be the best receiver in the draft. I think he's better than Smith. Jamar Chase is obviously probably above the rest, but. If, the, if one of those guards or ta- I mean one of those tackles could fall to the Giants, man, I don't see how if you're a, if how, if you're a Giant, how 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 you don't want that. If Slater or uh, Penne Sewell falls to you, I don't see how you don't jump on that. Oh, and now this kid, the kid from USC, is rising up. I think his last name's Tucker. I think he's rising up a lot of people's draft board draft board. So I think the Giants going O line first round again is the smartest play you can make. You can never have too many offensive linemen because they, first of all, a lot of times, most of them get hurt because it's the most physical offense and defensive line in the most physical positions guaranteed every single play contact. You're, you're hitting hard every single play wide receivers and running backs. Sometimes don't even get touched. Quarterbacks may not get touched if their line's good guaranteed. These guys are, are getting banged up. You don't want to be in a situation where 
that offensive line isn't the craziest on paper, and that's just the starters. You need quality depth on the offensive line because I look at that Giants starting offensive line, and they're one injury, one you know, one bad snap away from becoming a, a mix-and-match offensive line that becomes a disaster, which if you are a potential playoff team, that kills your season. One injury could potentially kill the Giants' season having to makeshift a, an offensive line and really mess things up because it's happened plenty of times to plenty of other teams. So I agree with you. O-line, obviously you need one of those guys to fall. But even if you, even if you don't think they're going to fall, if you're the Giants, why don't you even trade up for one? Why not try to try to get one of these guaranteed studs instead of waiting and potentially getting the lesser offensive lineman in the second round? I mean, you could you could trade up or you could even maybe trade back a few picks and get the kid from USC or um, I forgot who the other the other offensive lineman rookie that's making up his way up draft boards, but can always trade back and get one of them. You know what I mean? You don't have to trade up and you can you can gain. If you, if, it all depends on how Gettleman sees his draft board. You know what I mean? If he sees a USC kid in the same type of realm as Slater and Penne, then you could trade back, try and get some more value, and then draft him. You know what I mean? But let's let's move on to uh, the next the next listener because, ladies and gentlemen, today listener lounge is literally Giants talk. Being a Giants fan and seeing that. They have pick 11 this season. I'm really hoping that we get one of those stud offensive linemen in Sewell or Slater to fall to us due to everyone else going quarterback heavy in this draft. See, like, see, just like we said, see, he, that giant fan gets it. You get, like, I, Sewell or Slater fall to them. I don't see how the Giants could pass up on one of them. I don't see it. Will they fall? That's the question now. I could see one going at five to Cincinnati. Maybe one to Denver, maybe to Carolina. Um, but if they do fall, if one of them falls, I don't see how the Giants could pass this up. I don't. Granted, last year the Broncos, obviously I'm a big Bronco fan. I was we needed the receiver. We got Jerry Judy, but you can never go wrong. And that's because all the offensive linemen got taken. You know what I mean? If one of the offensive linemen would have fell, I would have rather an offensive line. But offensive line is the biggest need on this Giants team. You signed Kenny Galladay. Sterling Shepard's still a damn good slot receiver. Darius Lane's a good speed threat. You still have Evan Ingram there, uh, Mr. Mr. Drop, Mr. Dropaholic, but I don't see how you could pass up an O-lineman if you're the Giants, if they fall to you. I may as well say the Giants don't have the 11th pick in the draft. The Giants have like the 7th or 8th pick in the draft because Gettleman has who he deems his franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones. So you're not even looking at the quarterback position. I'm sure you're, you're watching some tape, whatever, but you're not even paying too much attention to these guys going at quarterback. There's probably going to be at worst four quarterbacks taken before you. So if you're not even looking at that position, you essentially have the number seven pick in the draft. That's what I've said about the Eagles before. It's what I've said about the Cowboys. It goes for the same with the Giants. By the way, breaking news, the, the Browns are signing Clowney to a one-year deal. Just saw the notification. Back onto the Giants. There it is. There's the there's the breaking news noise. Yay, Clowney's fifth team like in 
five years. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's it's draft season, <laughs> Clowny. We don't care. The Giants need to have that mindset that you may be at pick 11, but you may as well be at pick seven or eight because you're getting a top 10 skill player or a, a like a, a top 10 non-quarterback in this draft. That's that's my mindset. So if you're if you're a Giant fan, you are loving the amount of quarterbacks that are going before, but you also have to have the mindset that okay, say you get a Jalen Waddle or you get a Devontae Smith. Does that really put your team over the edge? with what you already have at receiver, you already have a number one receiver. You're paying big bucks. You already have a very good slot receiver and you already have a pretty solid number two receiver. So is that really like the, Oh, the, the giants need Jalen Waddle to be, then it's the difference maker that puts them above the Cowboys that puts them above Washington. No, I think it's an offensive lineman. Any of those top three guys, that's what I think is the difference maker to this team. That's what, can set them apart, solidifying their offensive line. Because Daniel Jones is most successful when he's got time and does well. So we'll we'll go we'll try not to rag on to the Giants because I do have a little bit of worry on on Dave Gettleman. I don't have a lot of trust, but we'll get into the last listener lounge clip. Let's see what this last Giants fan has to say. righty. So what I'm thinking the Giants are going to do at number eleven this year. Selfishly, I want them to go for another receiver, and I'm looking maybe Waddle at 11. But what I think the Giants are going to do is going to go linebacker and going to go Mika Parson from Penn State. I think this is what they're looking for. I don't think there's really any edge rushers that are really wowed this year, and I think they're going to be going after the linebacker spot to fill right next to Blake Martinez. Uh. Yeah, that'd be a great pick for the Giants. I, I mean, that will just bolster up that defense even more. I'm all for um, Michael Parsons going to the Giants. That that defense will be ridiculous. Then, um, I just, you know, what's crazy. So, let's think. Let, let's let's start jumping into Dave Gettleman's, Dave Gettleman's mind. He always makes a random splash pick every year. Past two years, that's what he's done. Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is like the third, fourth best tackle on most people's boards. He traded up to what? I think four, five, what was it? Four, I think. Pretty sure it was traded up to four to get to draft Andrew Thomas. Daniel Jones, number six, which he was no one's number one overall quarterback on the on that board. So what is Dave Gettleman gonna do? It, like, is he gonna make a splash? Is like his first was it the first or second draft? He traded, he got three first round picks. He had three first-round picks, kept trading back into the first round. Dave Gettleman's going to do something that none of us expect. What it is, I don't know. I, I just can't see it being, you know, they're drafting uh, Jalen Waddle or they're drafting Micah Parsons or they're drafting Slater. You know, I, I feel like he's going to make a splash, like a splash that he truly loves and thinks is the right move. The, the listener brought up a good point. Thank you, my buddy Alec, who sent that in. He brings some good point. The Giants do need an ed- edge rusher. They do have a need there, but this is one of the very few drafts that the edge rushing class is just not that crazy, especially a pick 11. If you were mid to late first round, you know, a quitty pay really makes sense. Something like that. 
But at pick 11, where a lot of quarterbacks are going before you, there's better talent that you, you have to grab. You can't not take one of those better talented guys just because you need a defensive end. That I feel like doesn't make sense. On what you said, like dive into Dave Gettleman's mindset. He is like a tough guy to kind of figure out what his moves are going to be next, considering that like the guy doesn't restructure contracts. He just cuts people and signs people. But diving into his mind, does he think it makes sense to sign Kenny Galladay to this massive deal and then immediately draft another guy who's like should be a number one wide receiver, one of those top three guys? I feel like that just doesn't make sense from a GM's perspective. Like that, that just makes no sense to me. You have three very good wide receivers. One of them is a true number one. Why are you getting a fourth when you have needs elsewhere? I mean, listen, they, they, they need all the help they can get on offense. Like if they draft, if they drafted Waddle, great. You're giving Daniel Jones more weapons and it's literally make or break for Daniel Jones this year then. But I feel like there's other needs they could go for that will help them out in the long run. And this year, uh, Listen, if they tra- I know I know they're not going to, but there's this kid out of Tulsa. I think his name's Zaire Collins or something like that. I think he's gonna be a hell of a player, he's an outside linebacker. Uh, if somehow the Giants traded back in for him or traded out or traded back, get him as an outside linebacker, I think that kid's gonna be a superstar. I watched a bunch of Tulsa games this past year. Don't ask me why. Uh, I think he's gonna be a hell of a player. So, but I know they're not going to trade back for him, but. Then get someone like that. I think he'd be a damn good pass rusher, damn good linebacker. But again, like we said, Dave Gettleman is very he always he always makes a splash that that's newsworthy every year. Saquon was his first draft pick, Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas. So let's see. I I hope the Giants for Giant fans. I hope they go lineman if one of them fall because I think that's the right move they need to make. The Giants taking Micah Parsons wouldn't surprise me because I'm with you. I think he's going to be a stud. Like, I think this this is a potential defensive star in the making. Me personally, from like a football standpoint, I don't think – I think if you're a Giant fan and it's like your options are – all three offensive linemen are gone and say maybe it's just Devontae Smith and Micah Parsons. This might be unpopular, but I would say – trade back acquire some more assets and then from that mid to late first round draft pick you take a quitty pay or you take the the kid from tulsa you take one of them which is still a need or one of the offensive linemen where it makes more sense taking them there it still still fills a need but you also acquire more for either that year's draft or the next year's draft because this is this is a team that has the potential where they have youth at some key positions. So they have the chance to be good for, for like, this is, this is their stretch right now. This year is they can take the next step. If they don't take the next step this year, it's, it's not coming. It's, it's not coming anytime soon. They are going to have to probably start from scratch at the quarterback position, the GM position and makeshift a lot of things. So if, if none of those linemen are there and it's just Micah Parsons and like a Devonte Smith, Personally, I say the best bet is trade back to a team that's clamoring for Parsons or clamoring for Smith. You acquire more assets. You take a guy that's still a day one starter and still fills a need for you, but you add more assets to add more starters down the line. 
because you have multiple holes that you still have to fill to be a true contender in the NFC. I, uh, I agree with almost everything we just talked about guys. Thank you to everyone that uh, gave us some listener lounge material. Listener lounge will be back. Like we said, next week is our first, our first ever slant and rants uh, mock draft. Like we said, first 12 picks and the way we're doing it is I think you're doing evens. I'm doing odds. Yes. So he'll be doing all the even picks. I'll be doing the odds. We will not be doing like Chris has his 12 picks. I have mine. It's going to be more fun on the fly. We're not going to tell each other who we're picking just so it could be like on the fly and make us, uh, make us actually think of what these teams will pick. So that's the, that's our, that's the draft style we will be doing using for the mock draft. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Chris, you got anything else, my friend? I mean, just back to touch on the mock draft, we'll keep track, see how well we do with those 12 picks. So it's six picks each. We'll see percentage. You know, how many picks did we get right? I got to assume we're both getting the number one and number two pick right. So that's a that's a freebie after that. Yeah, after that, honestly, it's it's pretty tough. I think especially for you with three and five, where the 49ers – are really looking at three different quarterbacks and you're not really a hundred percent sure which one they're taking. And then the Bengals who might go Jamar chase, but might go offensive line. I think you have a tougher spot than I do. I think I might have a little bit of the easier way because you might get done dirty by where your picks still make sense, but the teams go in a different direction at the same position. Even, even my team, the Broncos, well, I don't know what they're going to do. Granted, it all yeah. depends on who we pick and who you pick, but I have no idea what they're going to do, but guys, that's a wrap for today, guys. Uh, like I know you're going to hear on the outro, but five-star reviews, guys, let's get those reviews up. We've been sitting at 45, 46 range. Start giving us some five stars reviews. Follow us on slant, slant rants, pod, slants, rants, pod, slants, rants, pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, now that my workflow is starting to slow down a little bit, I'm going to start being on more on there and start providing more content and all that stuff. So, Thank you guys. Keep listening, Chris. Stay tuned for in about two weeks when it is the draft season on Twitter and Instagram, you will see our live reaction to who the Broncos take and who the Eagles take. So it's either going to be full of rage, full of joy, or just somewhere in the middle, which I think either of us would be, would be okay with. So make sure you tune in on social media for that, because that's some fun stuff. Coming up, Patrick, I'm going to see you soon, brother. They don't know that, but I do. LFGM. Here we go. Here we go. You've been listening to Slants and Rants with CTD and Vega. Please leave a like, rate, and review. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Slants Rants Pod. Until next time, don't forget to shake them.